Hello and welcome back to a new season of the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast. I'm Andrew Bracey and in this series we chat with doctors and health professionals who forged all kinds of fascinating careers and pathways for themselves in and alongside medicine. In the last season, we spoke with doctors who've done everything from foreign aid to authoring novels, making films, winning AFLW titles, breaking world records, overcoming incredible adversity and even performing magic. Um, A lot has happened, obviously, since our last episode, so I hope you've all been taking care of yourselves, staying safe and and coping as best as possible with everything that COVID-19 pandemic has brought with it. In our first interview for this season, our guest is Dr. Jacqueline Strubwick-Day, a doctor who's currently working in Sydney's St. Vincent's Hospital while also working as a medical advisor on the Channel 9 TV series Doctor Doctor. Um, That shows just this month finished airing its fourth season Um, and in this chat we talk about how she came to be working on the show, what her experience has been like, um, the kind of opportunities um, that it's brought with it and how it was that her creativity and writing ambitions actually led her ultimately into a career in medicine. But before we get into that one, just a quick reminder that the CCIM conference, which was scheduled to be happening in June, has of course been postponed to the 12th and 13th of December. Uh, It'll be taking place at the Novotel Sydney in Brighton Beach. Uh, To register for that one, um, or and or I should say, to submit a presentation if you'd like uh, to be a presenter, head over to creativecareersinmedicine.com, follow the links to the events page. Um, While you're there, if you're not already, you can also register to become a member of CCIM. and you can read about all the um, amazing member benefits that you get through that, um, including discounted membership fees if you're bundling that with your CCM 2020 conference ticket. Um, so that's all again, that's at creativecareersinmedicine.com. So with all that out of the way, here is my interview with Dr. Jacqueline Strubwick-Day. Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining the CCIM podcast. Uh, no problem. I do want to quickly acknowledge up front that we owe you or I owe you um, a little extra thanks that we um, we actually recorded this podcast chat late last year, but for a number of reasons, including the fact that we may have gotten a little bit carried away uh, discussing some of the spoilers from the TV show Doctor Doctor that uh, you've been working on at the time. Yeah. Um, we weren't able to <laughs> use that one. And um, obviously I've been keen to reschedule ever since, but obviously 2020 has made it pretty challenging for everyone. Um, and Jacqueline's been traveling and working. So I'm very grateful we've been able to, to line this up again and that Jacqueline's been able to make time again for the CCM podcast. Now, obviously, as I say, lots happened this year already with the um, summer bushfires and now COVID-19. How have you personally been coping with all that's, that's come with the pandemic and everything else? How have you been impacted? Sort of where are you at with everything? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't impacted me as much as other people who've lost their jobs and, um, and I mean, I've got a lot of friends in the film and TV industry who've completely lost their um, their jobs and any planned future work has been postponed indefinitely. Um, so I do know a lot of people are going through some pretty hard times. Um, so I guess like I don't have anything to, to complain about as I have a pretty steady job uh, at St. Vincent's in Sydney. Mm. Um, and I did take last year off to Locum and travel, which was very, very lucky because Obviously, if I'd done that this year, it uh, wouldn't have been quite the same outcome with both the locating and the travelling. So yeah, you never know where I, you I might have ended up being stuck. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, um, yeah, so aside from being isolated from friends and family like everyone else, I, I think uh, life's been pretty good. 
Sure. So obviously while we're talking about COVID during the lockdown, there's been a lot of us, well, for those with with the time, uh, there's been a lot of TV binging going on. Um, Doctor yep. Doctor, the show that I think we mentioned in the, in the start of this conversation just now is a show you've been medical script advisor for a number of seasons now. It's just um, aired, it's finished airing, it's fourth season on Channel 9. The finale was a couple of weeks ago now, so hopefully we can, we can speak a little bit more freely this time around without worrying too much about spoilers. So... I guess there are probably some people out there probably watching on catch up. What's the yep. what's the reaction been like to, to this season and the ongoing saga of Penny and Hugh? <laughs> do you do you hear much back? Um, you know, do you pay much attention to that kind of the stuff, or are you too busy? Um, I get a lot, I get a few texts from uh, medical friends, kind of uh, dissecting the scenes that play out and how it's wrong. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you to get many people like complain, oh, they, they wouldn't have done it this way. Yeah, I had a friend who had a bit of a bee in her bonnet about the hospital lockdown scene, oh. uh, which I think was episode uh, maybe five, four or five, um, where Ken, the hospital administrator, decides to lock down the hospital for a potential uh, TB, which, of course, isn't isn't something we would normally lock down a hospital for. Um, but they were trying to make it a bit silly to make it uh, plausible that Hugh would want to have a uh, forced uh, conversation with Penny in the same uh, kind of space in the hospital right? Um, without her being able to leave. Um, and I did initially say, you know, this would never happen. There's not many reasons for lockdown or quarantine. And this is all before COVID. Um, so that we were writing the show, I mean. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I guess in a sense I was wrong. Uh, there are now reasons why you would lock down a ward and quarantine people. Um, it's just quite funny that at the time I was adamant that we would never do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, we would never do it for TB, but yeah. it's strange how, how times change um, yeah, and medicine's yeah, yeah. constantly evolving. Um, but my, my friend did message me about it and I had to send a, a screenshot of the email I wrote the writers to <laughs> say. Here's proof, I told oh, you. Know, <laughs> yeah, I said, I tried, I tried. <laughs> sometimes sometimes um, the, the drama has to take priority over the, over the clinical accuracy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Do you, um, do you watch the show yourself or, you, or is it – What's the experience like with it coming out? Is it something? I mean, there must be a lot of satisfaction with it with it coming out as well. You know, the, the complaints you get. There must be must be um, a, a funny experience having something like that that you've been so uh, so heavily involved with um, being on it. Yeah, um, I think there's so much time that transpires between writing it, editing it, and then uh, actually seeing it on TV. So when did when did, when did they finish forget. filming that last? series um, it's been some months in between well, finished filming i think in august september last year wow okay um but we i mean we always are editing right up to the last uh filming day really mm. but um I, I guess the medical scenes was more or less cemented in the show about a year ago now right so, so it's almost a year between. So there's quite a lot of distance in, in, in that sense between the work and the, the final product. You sort of gone off. I mean, as you, as you say, there's been a lot happening in the intervening months between August of last year and, and, and April, May of this year. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Some of the things I'd forgotten about um, and I watched it and was, um, you know, pleasantly surprised with how well it turned out. Uh, other things didn't turn out 
as well as I'd hoped medically. But I mean, the drama was there and, and uh, it captured the, the mood of the actors and the patients. So yeah, I was happy from that point of view. But I guess that I'm always going to see it through a doctor's eyes. So I am a little bit more harsh on how the medicine's portrayed. Yeah. Well, that's your job after all. <laughs> that's why you're involved. Yeah. <laughs> before, exactly. we, before we get to um, uh, far down the road with the show, we'll come back to that in a moment. I just wanted to talk a little bit about your your path or your journey towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of doctors that we talked on this podcast, you had a slightly unconventional path into medicine. You'd initially trained and worked as a nurse prior to studying to, to become a doctor. I just I understand that that was even, um, it was, you know, that was even that had its own sort of interesting backstory. Can you tell us about that, that period and the, and the connection with your writing ambitions? Um, the nursing yeah. or the medicine, the nursing. Yeah. Um, I get. I always wanted to be a writer in high school. I, I actually didn't even do science in year eleven and twelve. Um, I instead did three subjects of, of English. Um, but I guess uh, nursing and medicine, uh, in a sense, is is kind of an amazing human experience that you get to see the full spectrum of human experience and human emotion. And people are really candid with you when you're a doctor or a nurse and um, when I was deciding on a career path and I didn't feel I had enough life experience to be a good writer at that time, mm. um, I was looking into careers that could give me flexibility um, so that I could explore my writing, but also just um, that could give me some exposure to other people's lives and other people's stories. Because um, at that point, I think my life was uh, pretty boring. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I chose nursing and uh, I found I really fell in love with the medical part of it and I always wanted to know more. So I ended up taking the GANSAD and applying to medicine. Um, and I guess the probably the part that got me into medicine and the GANSAD was the writing section. That was by far my best, um, <laughs> my best section, much better than the sciences, that's for sure. Um, so I guess with that in mind, you could probably expect there's quite a few doctors out there who enjoy writing and are good at writing. Mm. Um, and it probably does make us better doctors, I think, as well. There's probably that element of being a good communicator and being able to express yourself well to to patients that um, that is really becoming a bigger and bigger part of medicine. Also, I guess there's um, that element of reflection as well and sort of in, <clears throat> in writing some of these experiences, you sort of analyze, post-analyzing some of the experiences you might have been through. And I mean, does that, do you find that that sort of helped sort of um, inform the way that you go about your work, the way you, may, the way you might relate to or communicate with your patients? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a very sentimental person, so I, I think that I definitely am someone who gets uh, caught up in patient stories even now. and. Um, the social history is definitely my favourite part of assessing a patient um, because I just find people's lives and, and stories and experiences, uh, even just their experiences of their illness, really, really interesting. Um, and it, it, it probably helps with um, preventing burnout as well, I think, processing those emotions that we all feel. Mm. I can't imagine how it must be quite cathartic <laughs> at times when you've had particularly rough time periods or rough weeks or patient cases. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, you, you said that obviously this was, you know, the, the nursing and then into medicine was, 
you know, the, the, the core of that was that want that um, desire to be um, informed by other experiences. Did you have initially sort of ambition of where that was going to go, like in terms of what field of writing? Because obviously, you know, at the moment you've, you know, well, up until now, you've the, the, the one we're talking today is about the, the TV project. Was it, mm. did you ha- always want to be working in TV or was it more of a, uh, are you looking at, in terms of literary, like were you looking to try and get, get a novel together or was there a film thing? What was the Im- ambition originally or was it sort of just quite open? Um, I always wrote mostly just for myself, um, not not really in a medium of a, of a novel or a narrative or um, script writing or anything like that, uh, just maybe short articles type things just about certain patients that I saw and how that affected me. Uh, but as I went on in medical school, I found that I had a lot of visions of seeing what I was experiencing on the ward or in ED on TV and how it could be better portrayed compared to all of the um, examples we see of medicine on TV now. Mm. Um so I guess I wanted to write probably a TV show, but I just didn't see how how it might go, and it seemed like an overwhelming prospect. I didn't know anything about the industry or how to even start. Um, I just had a lot of ideas that yeah. ruminated around uh, in my head all the time, and I started writing them down. And when Doctor Doctor happened, I found I had a whole a whole inventory of of ideas for the show just um just waiting but I, I don't think I'd ever actively thought of making it into a project myself not so, yet anyway <laughs> so I mean did you find it obviously uh, the medical degree and and the study and then internship there's a lot involved and obviously you were talking about looking for careers that have flexibility there are periods of your medical career that that are in more full-on than others I suppose depending where you end up how did you find that, that period, were you able to, to maintain that creative bent or to have that outlet there or you make time for it or were, you, were, you, were there times where it was sort of overwhelming and swamping that creative side of you? Um, there's a definitely downtime in, um, in intern resident years, as I'm sure every doctor can relate to. Um, I think I definitely went through some probably even just uh, straight-up depression in intern in residencies, particularly when I was on nights and working really hard and I was a bit isolated from um, social outlets. Mm. But um, I've actually been able to incorporate that into the experience of being a doctor as um, something that isn't always good and isn't always straightforward. And I've actually, um, we had a bit of a mental health theme in last season, which was uh, definitely a combination of my experiences and the experiences of my peers. So whilst I wasn't creative at those times, I've kind of later used it to express the reality of being a doctor and I, I guess yeah. that's creative in, in, a, in its own way, as <laughs> sad as it is. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's where yeah. a lot of the creativity comes from is, is those, some of, you know, those life experiences, as, you, as, you, as you're saying, which is where I guess you, when, as you also mentioned there, that's where you were able to start pulling some of these ideas when the show did come along. Can you talk us through how that opportunity, this because a huge opportunity for, for Dr. Doctor, um, how that came about and what that experience is like for you? Because I understand that 
if I remember correctly, your mum was involved in this and also Claudia Carvin was a central character. And how, how did it come about? Yeah, um, I think this is, this is something we talked about last time and yeah. I know a lot of people who want to get into this industry find it frustrating, um, but it is very much a who you know situation. <laughs> Um, it wasn't my mum. It was my uh, best friend's mum. Right, yeah. uh, she's been a, in the industry for many, many years uh, as a hair and makeup artist and hair and makeup designer for TV and film. Right. And she had previously asked me for some advice about a show she was making, she, she was working on that involved a shark bite. And I was working... I was studying in Western Australia at the time and also working as a nurse there whilst I was studying. Mm-hmm. And I'd been in ED and seen uh, a guy come in just a little bit south of Perth who'd had his legs bitten off by a great white shark. Um, and so she kind of had heard through my best friend that I'd seen something like this. So she rang me and asked me um, as respectfully as she could, of course, how it looked and, um, what it was like to see such a thing, and I was able to give her some ideas about what it what it does actually look like to uh, lose a limb to a shark bite, which is such a horrific injury. Yeah. And um, she mentioned that that it was an actual job that people did uh, working on and advising on TV and film, which is something I I never even really knew, I guess. And other doctors will relate to this. I kind of always assumed there wasn't an advisor because <laughs> there of was the, what you were seeing on TV <laughs> often. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. So um, she used what I gave her, the information I gave her, about kind of making a prosthesis uh, bite limb for yep. the show and um, using the surfboard uh, foot, uh, what is it called, the foot strap. Right, yeah. um, as a tourniquet and, and that kind of thing. And she said, oh, look, if I ever have any projects coming out in the future, I'll keep you in mind. Um, so I forgot about it. And then about a year after, she was working on Doctor to Doctor and rang me up and asked me if I'd like to come on set. Um, so I went on set for the day, which was one of the most exciting things I'd ever done. And they were filming a surgical scene and I got to meet all the actors and I met the nurse. Uh, who was the on-set nurse. Right. She had an ICU background and was absolutely brilliant, but she was trying to manage all of the on-set medical safety requirements and the filming as well as trying to help them with the scripts and edit the script. Right. And it was proving a bit too much for her at the time. So um, unbeknownst to me, they, I, I guess it was an informal interview, me meeting everyone and going on set, and I kind of gave a couple of pointers. Um, when they asked me to on the on the set, yep. And then a couple of weeks later, Claudia Carvin, uh, I got an email from Claudia Carvin, <laughs> um, and I didn't think it was the Claudia Carvin. I thought, oh, surely not. <laughs> I didn't know she, she's not an actor on the show. She was actually one of the producers for the right. first three seasons. Um, she asked me to come in for a meeting, and so I I went to Roselle, which is where the production offices were. And I uh, went for a walk with her, with her and her dog, and we talked about uh, just the show. And Claudia um, was telling me that had she not been an actor, she would have liked to have been a doctor. And we just talked about the similarities in, in between acting and medicine. And I gave her some ideas and things that I had been thinking about for a long time. And then 
about a week later, she emailed me again and offered me a job as a medical advisor. And I started getting scripts the next day. So it was really, really happened really quickly and it was really exciting. It doesn't sound like it was, you've, because of the way that it sort of came about, it feels quite um, uh, sort of a, 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 an ease, like easing into it in that sense that you went, obviously, thrown straight into the deep end. So were you ever sort of you know, feeling intimidated by what you were taking on? Certainly, you know, someone like Claudia Carvin is well-known and, and we've, we've all sort of seen on, on TV and, and, and film over the years. Was there ever any sense of awe or, or intimidation or was it just you were, ex, you know, the, the overwhelming thing was the excitement of being involved in something like that? Oh, it was all of it. Yeah, I, was, I definitely had some imposter syndrome. I felt like <laughs> I wasn't experienced enough to be doing that job. I was only um, second year out of uni. So um, a lot of things I had to look up, especially obscure things that we don't see every day mm -hmm. that they wanted to write into the show. Um, so it was hard. It was harder than I thought it would be. And Claudia Carvin is absolutely divine. She's highly intelligent. She's got a real presence. She's so beautiful. She's absolutely lovely. Um, so I was, I was in, in total awe of her. <laughs> Uh, meeting her so I, I think I would have done anything she asked me to do I, I just thought she was fabulous but it was when I started getting the scripts I found it quite hard because I'd never even really read a script before well, I was going yeah, to ask you about that like what sort of um, preparation or what have you have you done anything sort of since then because obviously um, script writing is its own sort of art form in, in terms of writing yeah I, I I, so I did season three, 2017, the medical advising. Mm -hmm. And then um, I came up with the, uh, like a 20, 30-page document of ideas for season four. And then I was invited into the writer's room to collaborate with the writers mm -hmm. for season four. So I ended up taking last year off so that I could, um, you know, do some local and do some travel, but mostly also just, throw myself into uh, Dr. Doctor. And I also enrolled in a screenwriting for TV short course at Australian Film and Television School in Fox Studios. Right. And that was great. Um, there, there was some really interesting people in the course. Uh, the teacher of the course was one of the writers from Home and Away. Okay. And, yeah, she talked about how to be um, economical with your language in, the in, in screenwriting, which is something that, uh, is quite unique because, you know, if you're writing a book, you can use as many words as you want, yeah. but um, you have to be really aware of that writing a script. Because there's that time so element. That was something. The scene has to, you know, oh. you've got to complete all of these these particular things might have to be included in, like or uh, achieved in a scene, but you've only got this much much of time to do it, so you've got to be quite quick. I guess that's where you end up with shows where the dialogue doesn't quite always line up with the yeah. way actual conversations and human speech works. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. There's no filler words, no ums or ahs or pauses. No catching up to unless... ask about other people that aren't you know, specifically involved in that interaction. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you're also explaining things to the audience between the characters. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you've, you're, everything's a premium, I guess. Totally. Yeah. So, um, and it, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say um, that course also teaches you about pitching your own show, um, which is if, if anyone had an idea for a show, I'd recommend doing a course that teaches you about pitching because uh, I, I, I thought 
that if you wanted to write a TV show, you had to write the whole thing and then send it into TV networks as you might a manuscript to a publisher. Right. But that's not not really how it works. Um, a lot of the time, people come up with an idea and maybe write a pilot and then a full pitch for the characters and and the scenes, the scenes involved in every character and what the premise of the show is, the, the arc from the beginning to the end, and then each episode um, kind of plotting it out right. rather than writing the whole thing. Um, so that's a really good skill to learn if, you, if you're interested in writing a TV show. Is that something that you eventually, I mean, I was going to ask you later on in the, in the chat, but since we're on the topic, is that something that you'd like to do in the future given the experience where you're at now and obviously – you know, the uncertainty of the future of the industry and even a show like Dr. Doctor, as popular as it is, given where we're at at the moment, who knows what's going to happen. Is that something that you would like to explore with your, given the amount of ideas that you're already generating um, to be able to pitch something yourself? I would love to, Andrew. Um, Definitely. I'm getting ready to start studying for the ED emergency medicine primary exam. So that kind (laughs) of takes over. A few other things on your plate at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Takes over your whole life, but um, eventually, I'd love to. Yeah, I think I think there has only been a handful of shows that have properly illustrated uh, what it is really like to be a doctor, rather than the drama um, of of all the medical cases that come in. I think the the real humanity is sometimes lost in that drama, and I'd love to write something that was a bit more real. I'm not sure what the audience would be, though, because I think people want the drama, so it's a work in progress. Well, good luck with it. I mean, what's you started to talk, um, just going back to what we were talking about a second ago in terms of the actual the role that you, you've got on the show, What's you spoke a little bit about the, the meetings and things you're involved with. What's the day-to-day, well, I, I guess we're, we're further down the road now and we're sort of in hiatus until we figure out what's going on with the, the show. Um, but what's the daily, what was the day-to-day like during that season four? Were you, were you spending any time on the set um, working with, with production teams or was it more sort of writers meetings and feeling phone calls from, from, from members of the production staff? Um, so I guess it started when I wrote the document with all of the ideas for seasons four mm-hmm. um, and that was late 2017 and I got paid for oh, 20 hours or something. I think I spent a lot longer on it. <laughs> though. It was very, it was, it was really exciting. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then I sent that to the producer who then distributed it amongst the writers and then a few months later we had some writers' rooms. So I didn't go to all of them, but I got to join in with maybe eight of the writers, including the head writer, Keith, who um, you all go and sit in a room for kind of six hours or so. Um, It's fully catered. It's absolutely lovely. Um, And everyone just throws around ideas for the next season, um, for each character and what, what we want to happen throughout the season. And then after that, they plot the episodes individually. So um, I went to probably, they probably had four meetings a week and I probably went to one meeting a week, sometimes two. Okay. Um, and then once all of the episodes were um, plotted out and the writers of those individual episodes went away and wrote their episodes. Sure. And then my job was to get phone calls and emails 
from those writers, specific to the themes that we discussed in the writers' room. So um, we'd come up with the idea like, uh, for example, one of the themes was a resuscitative hysterotomy. And I worked really closely with the writer to get that scene right. It was a proper full resus scene. Um, and I really wanted the language to be correct and the um, defibrillation of the patient who was having a cardiac arrest. I, I really wanted that language to be correct as well. No shocking of asystole, which is, um, which you frequently <laughs> see on yeah. TV. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we worked really hard to get that get that right and I think it turned out really well in the end but that was many many hours of back and forth between her and I and um, sometimes I wrote the dialogue uh, between the doctors in those scenes just when it was a bit more complex Um, and yeah and then when it was filmed sometimes I'd go on set although not as frequently as the year before Right. Um, they had an ICU nurse who actually did a lot of the uh, on set um, advising and I'd kind of call her or she'd message me and ask me questions when they were filming those things but she was great. She's actually left the show now sadly but she was really brilliant. So it sounds like um, though, yeah, so over that time though that you built up a lot of, I mean obviously with any working relationship you build up a lot of trust and, and with that I guess sounds by the sounds of it comes a lot more sort of opportunity for you to get a bit more creative license or a bit more involved in certain aspects. How, what was, what was the, um, the, what were the best parts of that experience in terms of the way it sort of unfolded for you and, and, and the, the additional um, responsibilities and, and opportunities that you were getting through that? Um, I guess I just really had often imagined big medical scenes on TV that I hadn't seen that I really wanted to see and I got to I got the influence of being in an actual show. I think that was probably uh, the one of the best bits. Uh, and then also we had a character on the show last season, if you've watched, I'm not sure, called Tara, who was kind of a more junior doctor, uh, a female from the city on her own in the country who um, had played up a bit with uh, getting herself into trouble with drugs and things and got, and got sent to Whitehead, which of course doesn't really happen in real life. But... <laughs> Um, so it the works as a good dramatic show, plot point, yeah. It makes sense, yeah. <laughs> um, and she, I really related to that character in a lot of ways and there was a mental health element to that character uh, that had also been influenced by a couple of people I'd, I'd known who had sadly taken their lives as junior doctors. Right. And I really wanted to get that out there without there being any shame about it. And so there was a lot of scenes between Roger and uh, so Roger Corsa, the main character, whose name on the show is Hugh. Yeah. So between Hugh and Tara, where she tries to open up to him, but it's, it's a, there's a bit of awkwardness and he's trying to be understanding that um, they don't quite perhaps have the language to be able to do it as well or the, or the mental space? Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, some of the things that she says are things that, that I came up with um, about how I really felt sometimes to be a doctor and how some of my colleagues also felt. So that, I guess it was maybe not maybe exciting is the wrong word, but it certainly powerful by the sounds bit, of it. What you're describing, yeah, yeah. To, to see it on TV, I thought it was um, a really important part of the story to tell, and I, I thought we did that quite well. 
How about in terms of the um, interactions between like, some of the doctors and the nursing stuff, having been on both sides of that sort of collaborative working relationship, how was that to sort of be, you know, we, was that a, a key point that you wanted to, to try and see them get right, the way that doctors and nurses actually interact? Um, yeah, probably more the interactions between Hugh, the male doctor, and Penny, the female doctor. Right. I often felt it was a bit condescending, and a lot of the dialogue before I came along seemed as though um, Hugh knew so much more than Penny, which, of course, is not really the case at all. Mm. Um, Hugh's character is a cardiothoracic surgeon, and Penny's a rural GP. So her breadth of knowledge would actually be huge. Yeah. compared to Hughes, which would have um, really become quite narrow in his specialisation. So uh, that bothered me a little bit when I came on the show. And a lot of the time they used explanations to the audience as Hugh explaining obvious things to Penny, which she would, of course, know. Yeah. So I did try and influence that and try and have some wins for Penny as well to show that she's actually – you know, an accomplished yeah. practitioner in her own right, um, as as many GPs are, particularly country GPs who have to deal with pretty much anything that comes through the door. Um, so that was really important to me. And then in terms of the nursing and medical staff, we don't, we didn't really have any strong nursing um, characters on this season. Uh, Betty is kind of a receptionist slash. Uh, <laughs> I guess, nursing assistant, and Ken uh, is a hospital administrator, not really nursing either. So um, they're all very friendly, and um, I I don't think there's any language between Hugh and Penny and and those characters um, that wasn't accurate. And indeed, Hugh and Betty probably are are in charge of, of Penny and Hugh more than the other way around, which is probably more accurate, particularly for the senior nurses who run EDs and, sure. and whatnot, who just know absolutely everything that's going on in the department and are the, um, the wisest, most knowledgeable people if you have a, a question about pretty much anything. Um, so I thought that that was fine, but it would be nice if we had some stronger nursing characters in this season, uh, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen in, in the new season, yeah. I mean, season five. So is there, is there been any word on, on the continuation of the show? Is, is, obviously, I'm sure that's been impacted heavily by, by COVID, as everything else has been. Oh, well, we have been renewed for season oh, right. five. Yeah. yeah, we found out last month or in April. Oh, great. So yeah, when does so that – so that's always obviously in pre-production already, I guess. There's yes, stuff yep. all in, in the works? Yep, all the writers' meetings are on Zoom. I've, I've been to a couple. And so you've got um, you've been. I'm not. I'm not asking for any spoilers this time around. I won't ruin it this time. But, um, <laughs> but presumably, are you, have you have you got a whole lot of? Because I was going to ask, like, you must have um, a lot of your colleagues as well suggesting all sorts of weird, wonderful things that you should try and squeeze into the show. How do you how do you manage the the the, the breadth of ideas that you've got? I mean, obviously you've got the the show that the limitations of the show itself in terms of what you're able to do. But how do you how do you sort of pick and choose which which storylines and medically speaking that you you want to try and um, uh, push into the show if you can, if you get the opportunity? Uh, I don't really pick them. I think <laughs> Keith and uh, some of the other writers tend to be the ones to pick the medical themes that they want, and I try and slot in ideas around that. Um, uh, so 
uh, I probably can't really say anything for this season. <laughs> it's tricky. It's coming no, season. I yeah. Want, I don't want to ruin, <laughs> okay. ruin this podcast recording either. <laughs> we'll yeah. Um, it's hard. It's hard to come up with new and different ideas, and at the same time, it isn't at all. Mm. I guess there's only so many ways you can um, have trauma or illness with the body, but there's endless personal stories yeah. from patients that can make it interesting. Um, trying to get the writers to see that is a little bit more difficult, um, but it's a work in progress. A lot of my colleagues just come up to me at work and say, oh, I've got a great idea for the show, and they tell me something which is a great idea, but I just instantly know that it wouldn't work on TV, which is sad um, because we are obviously limited in what we can what we can do. And so, I mean, some of the stories are so interesting as well, but they're so specific that I yeah. think if if that patient themselves was watching Doctor Doctor, they would recognise their own stories. So we can't use that either. <laughs> well, look, I think you've answered a lot of the questions that I was going to put to you during this one throughout the chat. The one that I guess I was going to ask it towards the end, I wanted to ask you because I think you spoke a little bit at the start about it being a bit about who you know. Obviously, you you had that sort of lucky interaction um, with your your friend's mum, and that sort of set you on that path into into what you're doing now. But I just wondered if there is any advice that you are able to give um, anyone wanting to break into the medical consulting or advisory roles or writing and working in, in TV and film, how they might go about mm. it. I mean, some of those courses you mentioned um, before sound like they'd be a really great place to start. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups as well uh, for uh, film and television. There's a lot of people who are starting out as well and maybe want some unpaid medical advice, which might be a good way to start to get in and make contact with people. Um, and I, a lot of those Facebook groups I kind of found out about through Australian Film Intelligence School. Right. Um, it's called AFTRS, A-S-T-R-S. Uh, so people might be able to find those Facebook groups on, um, on Facebook. Uh, maybe even joining some of the Writers Guild Association. Um, there's a lot of women in writing associations and, and they in themselves have little notice boards, job boards, that kind of thing. So you could advertise your services for free, I guess, um, if you're wanting to get into it. Uh, it's pretty niche. I don't think there's a lot happening at the moment, but hopefully things will pick up, pick up yeah. soon. Um, and then for people who are wanting to write their own television show, I guess... Um, as I mentioned before, coming up with a really solid plot for your first season and really solid characters, um, having more than one premise in the show, so a couple of different storylines that inter um, interweave with each other, mm. and maybe writing one pilot episode and a good pitch is a good way to start. And there are a lot of uh, competitions and things where you can pitch your idea uh, and the winning pitch gets a sponsorship or money to, to start production of your show. So I think they're some good starting points, but definitely doing a course is good for anyone who doesn't know anything about the industry because there's a lot to know. In particular, uh, Australian government gives more money for funding for shows that are filmed in rural and regional remote areas. There's so a that's little, might be a little consideration. <laughs> Something you might want to try yeah. and work into your idea. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for your time. It might be a good place to leave it. All the best with season five. Um, 
I hope, obviously, COVID is making everything difficult. So I'm hoping that um, that that you guys are able to to get that all back on track, and we look forward to seeing that back on TV. But otherwise, all the best um, with the rest of 2020. I hope it's uh, slightly better than the start of the year. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andrew. Huge, huge thanks uh, once again to Dr. Jacqueline Strubbick Day for her time and um, sitting down for this chat. Uh, it was great to, to hear from her and hear some of those tips that she had, especially for any other doctors who might be interested in getting involved in TV or film projects from a medical or even non medical perspective. If you've not already seen Dr. Doctor and feel like checking it out after hearing Jacqueline's experiences and working in the show, um, you can check it out on catch-up apps like the freeview or nine now apps um, before i go just another quick reminder to head over to the ccim homepage to register for ccim 2020 in december and to join up as a member and secure all those membership benefits you can read all about that um, and of course the latest updates with the program for the conference in december at creativecareersinmedicine.com This has been an Embrace Creative production for Creative Careers in Medicine. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with more interviews and episodes soon.